are listening to Growth The Hell Up Podcast, the only podcast that teaches you how to think differently, live differently, and bounce forward where you create a life better than you've ever imagined. Hey, this is going to be a very special episode. I have someone on here that's going to really grace everything with you, but I also am wanting to highlight someone that is doing something amazing as this is Black History Month. So you get the opportunity to donate to this person's uh, what they're doing. You'll get to hear about it in a second. So I want you to join in with me with helping, helping a youth do something amazing in their life. Listen to the end and I'll give you the rest of the deets. Hey, hey. Y'all know the way I love to rock some music, right? Come up and be in my shoes. All right, I'm going to stop playing. Today, today, today with me, you guys, you know you are talking to the one, the only, Coach Monet, your post-traumatic growth coach. I have something special in store for you. You know you're used to hearing my voice, and that's perfectly fine. My voice is amazing. It's beautiful. But I have other people that I'm going to introduce you to people that are literally doing their thing. They are survivors. They are overcomers. They are warriors. They are amazing. And even if that just meant they stop pulling their hair and let it grow back and stop biting their nails, that's an overcomer. So we're not in judging anybody here with what we do with Growth the Heck Up podcast. We are doing everything that we need to do to engage and to invite everybody to be in a growth mindset. So we're going to get started. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking and talking to Arliss Davis from The Six Sight and Photography. I'll let him tell you more and more about him, but I just want you guys to know, listen up, put your ears to the headphones, to the radio, whatever you're doing to your listening devices, and be prepared to hear a story of someone who has been doing his thing for years, growing, growing, and growing. Welcome, Arles. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited to have you today. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm fine. How is your heart? That's one of my favorite questions. How's your heart today? How is my heart today? My heart is good. It's it's growing. It's getting better um, day by day. Uh, as I become, I guess, as I, I guess, um, learn more and more about myself and become more and more confident and um, comfortable with myself. Mm, Such a good word, being comfortable with yourself. Now, I've known that I've come to find out that one of the greatest way to get comfortable with yourself is being okay with being uncomfortable. Right. And that's hard. That's hard. Like, who wants to sit around and be uncomfortable? Be uncomfortable and being vulnerable. So, just tell me, tell us a little bit about your business, like what you do out here in this world, how you provide value to people, and then we'll get into our questions. Okay. Uh, Well, I am a photographer. I'm based out of St. Louis, but I do travel. Um, I am published. It's mostly mostly local. Um, publications. I've done some online stuff from, uh, I guess, Deluxe Magazine, St. Louis American. Um, pretty much, I kind of do all type of shoots. Uh, my specialty would be wedding photography, concerts, and events. 
So like baby showers, things of that nature. I do dabble in like headshots and also in um like uh like family stuff. Yeah, family shoots. Okay, so I so I need a lifestyle photo this shoot. About you gonna do that? Gonna take this one. That's fine. You okay with that? A lifestyle photo shoot, you know, for my business, my brand. I need, you know, to catch me just being chill in random places. Do, do you do that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yo, if you flew me out, I'm there. Just tell me what I got to do. We, we you want to get flewed out? out? Uh-uh, he's trying to get flewed out, you, know? out, you guys. <laughs> While we're talking right now, he's in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm in California. So he's trying to go literally from the Midwest all the way to the West Coast. Okay, I see you. I see you. <laughs> You know, I'm willing to travel, like I said. I love that. I love that. So what prompted you to get into photography and capture moments? I call them moments of joy, but it could have been anything that started you. So give us your story. Uh, let's see. Kind of started photography. Uh, it was a while ago. Like I started a little bit. Like I remember back in the day, I had a video camera. You know, you had the little handheld ones. I used to take those with me everywhere. So I kind of started with that. Um, then, um, then I started. Um, funny story. I'm in a fraternity. Okay. Uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and we were actually at a, a local uh, college. And I found this little point-and-shoot camera on a desk, okay, on the seat. Uh-huh. And so I, 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 I look for the owner. I was like, hey, is this anybody's? Hey, you know, so nobody claimed it. Okay. So I just held on to it for safekeeping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. And so that essentially started everything for me because I would go around, we would go out of town for step shows, things of that nature, and I would just have the camera on me and I would just click and click and click and. And so that kind of basically started everything. It started with a little point and shoot. Then I got a little bigger point and shoot. And then I had another frat brother who got into photography. Um, and he, I was just like, hey, yo, show me. Show me. You know what I mean? He okay. had two cameras. I was like, yo, whatever, you know, teach me. And it was one of those situations where I don't know if you've ever been something that just felt so natural to you. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that it took, it, you just, it just, I, I just took to it. So like, uh, no, no, no formal uh, teaching, no, you know, no classes, anything like that. Everything I do is self-taught and I just kind of went, got the ball rolling. I ended up uh, asking my dad for like a, um, Things like a sixteen hundred dollar loan. Mm-hmm. Asked him for sixteen hundred dollars, and he gave me. He let me get that. I bought my first camera, and I've been rolling ever since. Oh my goodness! Okay, so that's an amazing story. Two huge things that came out to me immediately. You guys, listen. One of the nuggets Arliss just dropped. If you are not paying attention. It's okay to not know what you're doing. And it's definitely okay to ask somebody to show you the way. You ask for a mentor straight out the gate. Right. Straight out the gate. And was willing to go there, not prepared. Oh, yeah. No, sometimes. I mean, I guess that's probably what you were saying about being uncomfortable. Like, I I actually get nervous every time I do a photo shoot. Wow. And I know you've done over like 50. 
Oh, I've done way more than fifty. I've done yeah, hundreds. So it's still like it's it's, it's I guess uh, I equate it to because I'm, I'm I like sports. I can okay. I can I equate it to like a game day. It's one of those situations because I mean some of the stuff is posed, but especially like weddings. With weddings, I get you know like these these people are asking you to take pictures of their day so they they can remember that day, and a lot of it isn't um, staged. Like you get the you know the pictures with you know the family, but you got like those those moments, mm-hmm. those little moments aren't necessarily aren't staged. Like you're going through the reception, you're going through the the ceremony, mm-hmm. uh, that first dance. You know what I mean? Those little moments. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of pride myself on capturing those moments that you know may not mean something to everyone, but they mean you know everything to those people. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys got that lesson. Not only is he thinking about the other. So he's he's a photographer. But what makes him so great at what he does is he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about his client. He's thinking about their moments, about their day. That's value, you guys. That's value. That's always thinking about your client. That's always thinking about the other person ahead of you. Sometimes it's not about us. The other thing that you said when you were just introducing us to like why you got into photography is you said you invested. So you had to do the thing like a lot of people don't know. Sometimes they just want to keep doing nickel and dime in themselves. Five dollars here, five dollars there. You was like, in order for me to be good at this craft. I know mm-hmm. I need a minimum of X amount of dollars and you went and got it. Like, yeah. was that something yeah, was. that was uncomfortable and hard for you or where you had that open relationship? Uh, well, not with my dad. Not like that. Um, to get started, like I was going to save because I, I figured how much it was going to be. Um, but my dad is a business, business owner. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know, if I went to him with the plan, then he would understand and then you know he would be like all right cool and i mean i haven't had to ask him for any money or uh you know i've been very self-sufficient and doing my own thing since so it's not one of those situations where i had to keep on going back like i just kept on like business kept on getting better getting better so i became definitely more self-sufficient and understood of the concepts of business and growing from there so i had it yeah so you you upgrade and and essentially, if you're doing enough work, the one thing you realize is the equipment kind of pays for itself mm-hmm. after a while. If you do enough shoots that, you know, I mean, if you figure it, like my highest wedding ooh, is between like $1,800 and $2,000. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a camera and a decent lens right there that you can pay off and it continually adds value as you continue to use it absolutely it pays for itself Mm -hmm. i love the idea of something that has a return on investment right yeah yeah so now i kind of want to get into like this this particular platform that i use um i am a a life coach, but and I specialize in helping people who have experienced a trauma and getting to the point where they want to mm-hmm. continue to level up in their life, or they want to kind of not allow what happened to them to hold them back. Sometimes people don't even realize that. So I kind of want to talk into some of the struggles, challenges, traumatic experiences that ha- 
you've experienced in your life. And um, you can start wherever you want. There's a particular one that I do know about a death of a loved one. But if you can just kind of share like a place that you were, and then um, we can go into more detail about how where you're at now. Oh, uh, I mean, I think, I guess you, we were necessarily talking about, uh, I guess your, your, what you were thinking about was uh, the death of my brother, which mm-hmm. was uh, pretty much a year ago. Um, he he passed on uh, December nineteenth of uh, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it was a lot. It was I mean I never experienced death um, with somebody that was that close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's my brother. So um, between that and losing my eyesight mm-hmm. um, about six months ago those were probably the most traumatic things that's happened to me um considering that i am a photographer yeah absolutely let's 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 dig a little deeper into uh, a a little bit of both of those as a brother right so Mm -hmm. losing a family member is like i I like to try to tell people nobody prepares you for grief nobody when you're little sits down and says like you know innately that people are going to die pets die Mm -hmm you know, seasons change, flowers die, right? Mm -hmm. But nobody says, hey, you're going to lose someone. And here's an idea of what that can look like for you. And it's okay to go through that. Right? Yes, you definitely not prepared. So you have to literally, yeah, we literally, I literally, he died on the Thursday in a, a single car accident in St. Louis. And we we were literally together. The whole family was together the Saturday before. My mom had a Christmas party, so we were all there. All the all my brothers were there. Family, mom, um, a lot of friends from out of town. His wife or his widow. Um, we were all there, just hanging out. And then next thing you know, by Thursday, he's gone. So you definitely, uh, it was definitely unexpected. Um, we had been dealing with a lot of death uh, before that. I had an uncle who had passed and then literally um, a month before my brother passed, my auntie died. She had cancer. She, uh, she, they found out she had cancer. She was dead within 12 days of finding out about her cancer. So, yeah. So you guys were already so, in a state of mourning. Right. Yeah prior to this next death. And then while going through that mourning stage, then you dealt with your own personal type of trauma experience. Well, yeah, yeah, about um, six months later. Yeah, like in 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 June, I ended up having a hemorrhage in my left eye, Mm -hmm. um, which lost my eyesight. And then at the end of July, I had a hemorrhage in my right eye. So I was what you considered a legal, I wasn't legally blind. Um, I forgot the correct term, uh, visually impaired. So I was visually impaired for about three months. So I couldn't see. It was uh, the best way I describe it is um, when you're driving, it's really, really rainy and it's really, really foggy and you can, you can barely see the light on in front of you 
Um, it was basically I was walking through a fog for like months. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a lot to even. And then when I think about marrying that with the your career choice. Right. So not mm-hmm. only are you kind of going through this. I used to have an eyesight and being able to see to now it looks like I'm going through a fog every day. Maybe there were other responsibilities that you couldn't take care of for yourself, right? Because you can't fully see. Right. Right? Yeah, no, I, mean, I couldn't see. Yeah, like I ended up having to, I mean, I would say it was definitely a, a life reset. Mm. Um, lost my job, lost my apartment. I ended up having to move back in with my mother because, I mean, I couldn't see. So I couldn't, I couldn't take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, like I had to. It was like it was. Uh, I, I won't say it was like a real a hard reset, but it was like a, a definitely a a, a medium sized reset to my life. Like it, it, you, uh, my eyes are my tools. My eyes are you know my tools. My eyes are my money maker. I mean, essentially, you did you. I mean, every unless you were born without it, you, you know, your eyesight is something that you've had for, you know, at least most of most of my life, well, all of my life, 38 years, and to wake up one day and not be able to use those tools is definitely uh, traumatic. I still deal with it. I end up having to get a, uh, I have a therapist that I see now, you know, as I go through, um, I won't say it's post-traumatic. Well, I guess it is post-traumatic, like a post-traumatic stress. I have issues driving. I want to drive. I like driving. Um, I do drive, um, but I am scared to drive because I feel like, what if it happens? What if it comes back? What if, you know, there's a lot of what ifs. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of ambiguity, um, anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety as far as dealing with it. It's kind of like, I guess, like it's another sports reference. It's like an athlete who hurts his knee. Um, the first couple times he gets back on that court, he's going to be thinking about that knee. He doesn't really, trust you know, he, 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 he doesn't really trust it yet. Mm-hmm. It takes him a while to actually get back into the flow. Into, and then sometimes you have people that never really come back or never really uh, deal with it, with the, uh, the psychological aspects of, you know, going through something that was physical. Absolutely. That kind of brings me to thinking about um, one of the things I like to work with people on that had a post-traumatic experience. So I just consider that Mm -hmm. any trauma experience that you had and now you're on this side of it. So you can still be um, physically going through it, mentally going through it. But a lot of times people are not dropping into the emotional part that comes along with having something that happened. And being the survivor of it, right? Like being the person that is still here to talk about that particular thing or it not lasting forever. For instance, you do, you are getting your eyesight back. It's not 100% yet, but you're, but there was a point where there was ambiguity. It was uncertainty that it would even get back there. Yeah, we didn't know. We didn't, we didn't know where I would be. I didn't, I didn't know what my, like, I didn't know it was so much uncertainty about my future and what was going to happen where I would be what you know we started um filling out disability forms we started yeah. filling out things for the Missouri blind pension like we like I you know getting information for 
excuse me, uh, a blind and a visually impaired, um, um, they have a group that helps you with adjusting to that life, mm-hmm. that type of lifestyle. Like I didn't know what type of lifestyle or what type of quality of life I would have mm-hmm. um, after after everything happened. I've had three surgeries and I have another one coming up. So, I mean, it's still in the process of healing and I'm I'm a lot better than what I was, but it's still like, it's still that uncertainty because yeah. you never know. Yeah. So let me ask you, have you went through like a range of emotions? Like have you, what I like to call is like allow the negative emotions that come with loss and even mm-hmm. like to me, you're I, I, I and because I identify with grief, not just with the loss of a relationship or the loss of a loved one. I identify with the loss of who you were prior mm-hmm. to the event. Right. So like the person that was very confident um, to wake up, see everything and move. Right. Have you allowed yourself to deal with the negative emotions that have come with that? And then would you be able to describe like what those emotions are? Um, I, I would probably say I have, I mean, I dealt with a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely had, I've had like maybe two panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've dealt with, I mean, like I said, like it's a fear. Um, I have, sometimes it's just a fear that comes over you because you just don't know. I, it's that fear of the unknown, yes. like, or just like, um, it was a lot of nights praying, a lot of nights crying. It was a lot of, it was a, it was a, a definitely all, I dealt, definitely felt a, a lot of emotions. It was a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Um, the one thing that I can say is that, I mean, no matter what happened, um, you, things um, get better or things are, um, what's the word? It was things, your support system has a lot to do with how you deal with things sometimes. Um, a great support system um, will um, let you have a little more, uh, have more confidence in yourself a little bit. Uh, I never got down to, like, I, I felt like after, after my eyesight started coming back, I think I started getting a little depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, while I was like in it, in it, um, I tried to keep a positive, as positive as I could of a mind state, mm-hmm. uh, because with your eyes, your eyes are still like an organ and it's still, um, your, your body reacts to how you react. Come on. So now. if you're, if you're not, um, if you allow your, yourself to be depressed and get into a bad state, your body that affects your body too. So I tried to stay as positive as I could because, I mean, I kind of felt and I knew that I would have a possibility of being able to, you know, um, get my eyesight back. It wasn't a guarantee, but like if I think if I was more, if I had let myself go too far or got too depressed or got start thinking about it too, too much, then we we don't know it's it, it, but i think you has a lot to do with how you 
how you deal with it and your motivations and, and trying to be as positive as you can about the situation because your body re- reacts to that. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love that you spoke about the full body experience. A lot of the times what I tell people is you're experiencing some type of illness and dis-ease in your body based off of not only the things that you're putting into it. So food, drinks, etc., um, lotions, all of that nine, but also the way that you are conducting your brain, your mind. And I think a lot of people forget that we actually have a lot of control over our mind um, if we decide to, right? Like if we decide to use mm-hmm. the front part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, we're not going to go into all of that. But if we decide that, right? Like and you made a decision and you knew the connection, like if I'm stuck in this level of where things are downhill, then that's where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in this down spiral. However, if I allow myself to understand that this is the thing that I'm going through, I want to see the lighter side of it. I can help my body, the organ heal by that mind state as well. Love that you put those two and two together. Cause I think that that's one, a lot of people just don't really put together. My next question is, would you consider yourself a warrior? And my definition of a warrior is like someone that has overcome something by putting up a fight or having an intentional way of knowing that they want to get to the other side of it. So would you consider yourself a warrior? What I consider my, um, yeah, I would consider myself a warrior. I would consider myself a, um, a fighter. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily, hey, just um, you, you have to have the will. Like I think that goes back to the mindset. You have to have a will of uh, of surviving if you want to get through something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's um, along with prayer. You have to have an open mind state to you know to want to achieve something. Like it's just not going to just happen. Oh, I'm going to win. That just doesn't happen. You have to actually put in um, the time and the effort into, you know, making making those things happen uh, to make to make things work. You have to have a warrior type mindset. You have to fight. You have to endure. You have to uh, you, you put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You have to, again, like, as you said, come back to it, make yourself vulnerable. You have to make yourself uncomfortable. There's yes. situations that, that I've been through that, I, I mean, there was things I didn't want to do, but to get to where I wanted to go, you have to make yourself uncomfortable and do things that aren't necessarily in your comfort zone. Yeah, I, I call that so, um, conscience control or intentional control. It's like um, sometimes things do happen consequences, situations that we can't control, but then there's the part where we can. And a lot of people get stuck. And it's not like it's a bad thing if you're stuck. It becomes a bad thing when you don't want to be stuck and you just wallow in it. And instead of doing that, like you were intentional in your prayers and your thoughts and like even getting that group and being okay with having that group rally around you. And all of this happened in the pandemic, right? Yeah. Right. So it's like, I I can't do my love, uh, which is photography. 
my job, you know, because I can't work, you know, clearly I can't go do that one. I can't pay my bills right now because of this. And so I also, as a man, right, I also need someone to take care of me. So now I got to go back to my mama house. Like this some bullshit. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. You heard me? Like this some. I got to go now. I know I know busted up ass cat. I got to go move with my mama. Yeah, like it's definitely uh definitely humbling, but I I definitely thank her for being there because you know it it, like circumstances and situations could have been totally different. Absolutely. And I couldn't have. There's a possibility I couldn't be where I'm at because you know pieces and things aligned Mm -hmm. for me to be where I'm at. Definitely. So let me ask you this last question as we wrap up. What would be your advice towards any man? And I'm specifically speaking to men here, um, no matter all the rest of the things you want to think about men, but specifically to men here, mainly because a lot of time men are, are, brought up or have this innate ability to think that they have to control everything and they have to hide behind their struggle or their pain or traumatic experience. What would your advice be to that man that went through something that's trying to hide, but they need help? You, well, my biggest thing is you can only can, you can control only what you can control. Um, so you're going to have to realize that some things are out of your control and it's okay to ask for help. Uh, It's okay to not be that man's man and oh, I got it on my back and I can do, I can do this and I can do that. It's okay to ask for help. People, that's, that's, that's the thing about life is sometimes you have to realize, unfortunately, things are out of your control and there's certain things that you just can't you can't control that, that you, I mean, they're out of your control and there's certain things you can't control. You're going to have to ask for help and it, and, and it's okay. It doesn't make you less of a man. It doesn't make you less of a person. It makes you a person. It makes you a person um, that is okay with being vulnerable and uncomfortable. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think those are the words that we've kind of talked about uh, throughout the throughout this it's Mm -hmm. okay to be uncomfortable and it's okay to rely and you know i'm not saying that you gotta ask everybody and i'm that that's definitely not me um but it's okay for those people that's inside your circle that you that you're comfortable with to say hey yo i don't have it i'm not uh or i'm not i'm it's okay to say i'm not feeling well it's okay to say i'm I don't think mentally I'm there. It's okay to, you know, want to be able to speak to somebody and um, speak to a therapist about something and you're not looked at crazy. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, 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 to deal with those emotions um, because they get bottled up inside. They don't, I don't think, um, I don't, I don't think I cried about the situation about my brother, like for myself, mm-hmm. it wasn't until like eight or nine months later when I was going through everything that I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was still on me. A lot of that grief, a lot of that pain, a lot of a, a lot of that was still on me because I didn't know how to um, to uh, um, express my um, 
express myself or deal with my emotions. I think it's called uh, the um, the ther the therapy word would be uh, low emotional emotional IQ. I think it's yeah, something like low that. E- yeah, low so EIQ. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's something that I deal with because I don't necessarily, uh, I kind of divert my emotions other places. I find instead of dealing with things that are happening in the moment and dealing with everything that's going on, I try to divert my attentions to other things instead of yeah. actually dealing with things that's in the, that's in the moment. So uh, that's something and that then, I you deal say, with. That was like <laughs> nine months later. Now, right. what was something that was so important like he was important to you, right? He was somebody yeah, that yeah, you yeah, loved and not even allowing yourself to completely grieve him during that time. It was something else that triggered that grief for you because right. of the way that you diverted. Right. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. All right, man. Yeah, I really just appreciate you coming on here, sharing your heart with uh, my community and just being transparent about the truth that sometimes things ain't easy. We got to get uncomfortable, right? To get to that next level. Sometimes we got to do things we don't want to do, like feel our emotions. So we can understand our emotional intelligence can come up a little higher, but we got to be aware of it. And a lot of times we're just not aware. Ain't nobody teach us growing up nothing about no emotional intelligence. Hell, I know when I was growing up, they told me to stuff my emotions, stop all that crying, get somewhere to sit down. Yeah, right? I never I didn't even I didn't even learn that word till maybe a year ago, less than a year ago. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I all right. we can who's talk your about team? It? Who's your team? I I see okay, definitely. Uh, I don't really okay, have now it doesn't come to bullshit, y'all. Listen up, here it comes. No, 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 no. I don't have a favorite like NFL team. I'm more okay. of a college I'm a college person. So I rep like I, I believe, just too many teams though, bruh. No, nah, no, nah, I got one team, Michigan, right. the Michigan Wolverines. I am a diehard Go Blue, Go Blue fan. I, I bleed maize and blue, so okay. I'm just a Michigan fan regardless. Okay. Like, we had a, we had a horrible season, but I still support the team. You know what I mean? But that's like to me, ride or die. I mean, I don't know if anybody saw me sipping, but you know clearly who my team is, Star Power. We, yeah. We have our ups and our downs, but I ride hard for the team. All day. All day. All right, just tell me, then why you choose that? Why, how you get into that team? Like, I have, I've been a Michigan fan since uh, 91, 92. That's uh, the year that uh, the uh, Fab Five joined okay. the, the, the five freshmen. Um, so I've been a Michigan fan. I started off with, with the Fab Five. Then I moved to the football team, Charles Woodson, when he won the Heisman. All right, Tom man. Brady. Like, I've been I've been a fan for forever. Like, I, I actually, uh, one of my goals in life was to start going to a game. Uh, so about four years ago, I started going to a game every year. So I go to a Michigan game every year, uh, go down there, uh, go up to Michigan, and, you know, Enjoy myself in the big house. If people want in my community wanted to check you out and follow you and see how you are getting back into your photography, because I do know that mm-hmm. he's getting back into it. Yeah. He even told me a week ago he bought new lens, which, you know, what I'm saying that yeah, yeah, the yeah. grip. So he he back into it. Oh, he's dude. got his eyesight enough where he can focus, focus. If you want to fo- if they want to follow you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the T.H.E.E. 
six, the number six, I am underscore photos. Yeah, you can find me on there, and then you can also find me on Facebook under the same name. It's okay. either the six I am uh, six I am photos, or uh, previously known as six I am photos. Okay, as I promised you, I do have a treat for you. I'm gonna actually let her tell you what she's doing and what she's all about, and then I'm gonna come back and tell you exactly how you can get connected with this young lady. Hello, my name is Nyla Williams, and I will be going to Europe in 2022 with my school's orchestra. I am raising money for my trip, and I am now selling bracelets, and I will soon be selling hoodies. The goal is to reach $4,000 by June 2022. I am very excited, and I am looking forward to learning new things and coming across new opportunities. Thank you for listening. You heard her. You get the opportunity to send Nyla to Europe. You can go to her donation page at bits.ly forward slash S-E-N-D. N-A-I-L-A, the number two, Europe, E-U-R-O-P-E. Of course, it's going to be in the show notes, but bit.ly forward slash send Naila to Europe. Go ahead and make this dream come true for this young lady. I'm counting on you.